from the Mercy One Studio. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imogene Ingredients. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. And good Thursday morning from our virtual Mercy One studios in West Des Moines, I guess. Gina and I are both at our respective homes coming to you via Skype. So, again, we'll try and uh, eliminate any technical difficulties we may have here, although we've had a couple in the past couple of weeks. Gina, how are you this morning? I am well, Deacon Mike. You sound like you have a little cold, or is that all this pollen in the air? It's I, I don't know. It's probably the cat running around here. <laughs> No, I, I hope I'm not getting the coronavirus or whatever. But we've been no, we've been kind of isolated here for a while. Uh, we only go out to uh, run through a uh, drive up restaurant, pick up some food, or to pick up some food, groceries at Hy-Vee or something. Very good. Same here. Just staying at home. Sounds like it's a few more weeks for us here in Polk County. Some of Iowa has opened up, however. That's nice. Oh. Well, I'm looking forward to getting back into the studio <laughs> where well, we seem to have a little more control over things, but uh, we'll do the best we can. I know we have a, a text line that I haven't mentioned the last couple of weeks because I think that would just complicate things a little bit too much, trying to get text in and all that while we're on the air, but uh, we do have one. Right. We do have one, and, uh, and we'll open it up uh, eventually when we get back into the studio. Uh, do you have an opening prayer for us, Gina? I do this morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of peace, bring your peace to our violent world. Peace in the hearts of all men and women, and peace among the nations of this earth. Turn your way of love, those hearts and minds that are consumed with hatred. Strengthen us in hope, and give us the wisdom and courage to work tirelessly for a world where true peace and love reign among the nations and in the hearts of all. Amen. Thank you. That's a beautiful prayer, and I believe it's from uh, Pope Benedict, isn't it? It is. Pope Benedict uh, gave us that prayer for peace, and I love that it centers us for the show. When we have peace in the show, <laughs> we uh, last uh, last week we were talking about all the uh, problems that were going on in schools that didn't seem very peaceful sometimes, but uh, we have to bring this information to you. I should bring up something, and Gina, I don't know if you received yours or not, but there's a letter that came out from the bishop, um, uh, and I think most people will be getting it, uh, talking about um, Iowa Catholic Radio and how Iowa Catholic Radio is a means to uh, unify the diocese and the Catholic community uh, during this period of time when so many of our churches and things are closed. Although, as we talk about church closing, closings, i got to uh, mention that the chapel, the Eucharistic Adoration Chapel at St. Augustine's is open. So you can go there and you can sit with Jesus, you can say your rosary, you can just stop in to say hello and sit there for five minutes, you can sit there for an hour, whatever you want to do. You can take some religious reading with you if you want, but there is a place you can go uh, where you can at least experience his presence in person. Exactly. And the times that I've been in there, I take a little Clorox wipe and wipe my little section down. And there's never more than 
oh, maybe 10 people in there at the most ever. And usually it's just me. Mm-hmm. And it seems to um, be very safe place. They have Purell in the foyer, so you can Purell on your way in and Purell on your way out. Um, I would encourage people to sign in on the book in the back if you do come in. It's nice for our organizers to keep track of um, the participation in the chapel. I'm hoping they get more uh, uh, visitors during the day. I know Luann and I go over there in an evening, do an hour over there. And we don't. See, there seems to be some fluctuation in the numbers that come in and uh, once in a while we'll get a, a, a group maybe like a family that will come in but i don't see a large number of people there. we do try and keep the limit to 10 uh but we got to remember that chapel while it's not very big is spread out yeah, so right. when, when you go in there you can uh, you can spread out all right mm-hmm. we got an interesting uh, program for you today we've got a constitutional law expert jenna ellis who's going to talk to us about uh, some of the things that are coming up uh, with uh, abortion cases going before the Supreme Court. And then we have Jim Mason, who is Vice President of Litigation for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, going to be talking to us about parental rights. And we will start with that uh, when we get back out of these messages. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Thank you, Blessment International, for their support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Everyone lives their life 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. How we use that time directly affects if our life will leave a significant impact or not. Each year, Blessment International leads Central Iowans on a 12-day, all-inclusive experience sharing the heart of Christ with children in South Africa. Teams are forming to do something significant in an African child's life. Learn more at blessmentinternational.org. That's blessmentinternational.org. Nearly 64% of all abortions in Iowa are chemical, or more commonly known, the abortion pill. At Intervisions Healthcare, we do not provide the abortion pill, but we do provide the medical information required to make an informed decision. If a woman regrets taking the first pill, she can come to Intervisions to help reverse the effects. Our nursing staff is trained in the abortion pill reversal protocol, a relatively new medical procedure, but we need your help in getting the word out. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support the mission, visit IVHcare.org. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Thank you, Big Red Q Quick Print, for underwriting the sports report. Family owned and operated since 1980, Big Red Q Quick Print is a full-service print shop ready to help you with all your printing needs with speed and accuracy. Forms, manuals, brochures, letterhead, envelopes, business cards, custom invitations, design, and bindery. Big Red Q Quick Print, located across from Merle Hay Mall. Online at BigRedQ-DesMoines.com. Big Red Q Quick Print. We make printing easy. What is the best gift ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. 
Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Jenna Alice is a constitutional law attorney. She's author of The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, and she's senior legal advisor to the Trump presidential campaign. Jenna, welcome to the program this morning. Thank you so much for having me. We, um, we should tell you that uh, uh, we're doing part of this by Skype, <laughs> and, and Gina is at another location, and so uh, if we get a little confused here, just kind of bear with us a little bit. Uh, since we're not in our studio. You have written uh, a little bit uh, recently, uh, I guess the beginning of the month or the middle of the month, about a, uh, what you call a pivotal case now pending before the Supreme Court that could reshape the abortion debate in America. Um, uh, this is the case, I guess, it comes out of the Fifth Circuit. Uh, you want to uh, you just give us a little background on this case and what you think uh, it means to the abortion debate and abortion law in the United States. Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, an article that I wrote for uh, Discern, and definitely that's a, in the middle of all of the fake news. It's a great uh, news outlet that's actually run by Christians, uh, the initial owner of the of the Babylon Bee, which is my personal favorite uh, satire site, also started Discern. So uh, definitely give them a follow. But this particular uh, case is arising out of the uh, stay-at-home orders and some of the um, non-essential bans uh, coming out of Texas. And so one of the things that the Texas governor determined was non-essential was any sort of elective medical procedure. And so, of course, uh, we all know that abortion is never necessary. And in fact, it's a medical intervention specifically designed to cause the death of a child. And so, of course, Planned Parenthood uh, sued the state of Texas and said uh, no abortion should be deemed essential. And so then the Fifth Circuit properly held that uh, this wasn't a total ban. It was simply a rightful um, understanding that abortion is uh, not a, a necessary medical procedure. So now this case is situated uh, to potentially go up to the Supreme Court, and if it is taken up, then the Supreme Court has the opportunity to recognize abortion for what it is, uh, that it isn't essential, it is uh, not in any way a, uh, a woman's so-called right, and in fact, that's a lie that's and a myth that's been perpetuated since 1973 and the Roe versus Wade uh, case, which simply held in that instance that the government actually does have a compelling interest to protect life, and, they, and the court in that case uh, simply found that women have a right to privacy in some medical decision-making so allowed some abortions in some circumstances. And so this is a oh. huge opportunity for the court uh, to continue to roll back um, some of the abortion law in this country. Okay, now that's kind of interesting that <clears throat> the court uh, has found that there is a compelling interest in the state in protecting life, yet only, I guess, a fundamental right for the 
woman, or I guess no, no right at all, just a, a fundamental or a, a general right of a woman uh, to the right to privacy in her medical decisions. Right, and so that's that's the lie that, uh, of course, the pro-abortion uh, advocates will perpetuate this myth that somehow uh, the court has found a right to abortion in the U.S. Constitution. That's a myth on several levels. First, our rights don't come from our Constitution. Only a specific limited powers are given by the Constitution to government. Our rights, as the Declaration acknowledged, come from God, our Creator. And uh, then, proceeding from that premise, the government's only proper role is to preserve and protect our rights. And our founders acknowledged that chief among these is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so uh, life is one of those rights that absolutely must be protected. And so uh, the Roe Court, so the second myth, of course, is that the Roe Court somehow found that there's a right to abortion. That's simply not true. It's, um, they found that there is a so-called right to privacy in some medical decision-making. And so the tension, of course, is between the government's compelling interest to protect life uh, and then a woman's right to privacy in medical decision-making. But, of course, when the government has a compelling interest to protect life and we've seen the medical advancements since 1973, we've seen ultrasounds, I'm very convinced that if Roe versus Wade in that same court in 1973 were sitting today, we would not see this same opinion, and we would see that they would have held that the government has uh, a compelling interest to protect life, at least uh, beginning at, at fetal heartbeat or some of these other uh, laws that we see where um, we see the medical evidence ab about how a child um, is a human being from conception. And so we've seen right. the medical evidence now, for that. Look, and, uh, let me ask you this. The, the case is um, on appeal to the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court has not accepted it yet. Is that right? That's correct, yes. And so and, uh, they have the rest of the uh, of their potential uh, time in, in, while that's still pending to, um, yeah, and that could even take a number of years. Now, assuming that our... Um, closures and everything and lift it within the next couple of months. Would that moot out the case? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, that is that is a potential option. The Supreme Court could decline to take it on that basis. But uh, the problem for the um, anti-life or pro-abortion advocates with that is that the Fifth Circuit held uh, for, for pro-life and said that it was okay that Texas imposed uh, these restrictions on abortion access. And so Planned Parenthood is not going to want the, the Fifth Circuit opinion to stand. But it's only binding in the Fifth Circuit right now. If the Planned Parenthood takes it up and gets, a, uh, gets an affirmative, uh, affirmative decision from the Supreme Court, then it will be binding all over. So I would think that Planned Parenthood, uh, considering the makeup of the court right now, might want to just kind of step back if it's mooted out and just kind of hold their breath about the Fifth Circuit for a while. That's, you know, that's a potential option, but, um, you know, they've definitely been aggressive in their advocacy for uh, their pro-choice stances, and so uh -huh. um, I would think that they're going to still aggressively push this at the Supreme Court. That is a potential, uh, but, you know, we'll We'll see about that, and um, and there's not going to be an opinion from the court that it is moot unless they they actually render that opinion. And so it's not like Planned Parenthood can um, can simply know that that's the court's posture before they make their uh, before they make their legal strategy judgment call. 
Well, if, if the Supreme Court then refuses to take the case, uh, then it remains good law in the Fifth Circuit and questionable in other circuits. Well, it would be persuasive in other circuits and could certainly be used um, as yeah. in terms of persuasive law and anything else that would go up to the Supreme Court. But yes, that's correct. It would just be okay. uh, binding over those courts in the Fifth. Now, there's a, there's a case coming up now that I think uh, they've already heard. This has to do with the uh, um, medical providers needing to have a, a licensing or admission uh, credentials at different hospitals in the area. And that one, I think, was just argued not long ago. Uh, I think you're referring to um, the Hellerstadt case, and that was, um, if that's the one that you're referring to, that was also out of Texas. And again, it's with this whole... Um, undue burden on abortion access that has uh, that has typified a lot of the abortion laws coming from the court, and that's why this case that's pending is so significant. Because if the court does uh, determine that abortions are elective procedures and are simply medical interventions, then that changes the entire narrative for the left and these abortion advocates. Because why, uh, why would we need to have any sort of undue burden uh, here for elective procedures? So, for example, if, um, you know, if I'm wanting to have an elective procedure and have to go um, you know, a few more miles or, or, um, or something that just because I happen to want that type of procedure, that's not something that's burdening a right of access. And that's what they're so concerned about. They want abortion in this country to be determined a right, which constitutionally speaking, it absolutely isn't. Well, and I think some of this uh, this particular case, I think both Louisiana and Texas have uh, cases related to uh, doctors' hospital privileges. And I think that um, I've seen many stories about how there's fewer and fewer doctors performing abortions. So you have doctors who fly in from other states one day a week and uh, perform the procedures and then leave the state. And this is causing a lot of... Um, issues for the patients who may have complications. Right. So, and, you I know, there's... There... Go, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, I, Jenna. Yeah, Jenna, go ahead and respond to that. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, you know, this is something where, of course, um, there are so many doctors that have a moral and ethical uh problem with performing these types of procedures, and thankfully our law uh, still protects them to be able to assert their sincerely held uh, beliefs, and, and and this doesn't even apply just to religious individuals. I mean, when doctors are actually understanding the health and safety and welfare of their patients, uh, we see so much even from Planned Parenthood's own data that uh, women experience um, grief, mental health symptoms, um, physical complications, so many other things as a result of their choice of abortion, that this is um, that often doctors will refuse abortion simply because it truly isn't the best, not only for the patient who's the, who's the mother, but also the secondary patient, um, you know, which, of course, is, is the child. And so when the left is saying this is a decision between a woman and her doctor, they're forgetting also the third patient, which, of course, is the child. And so there's so many reasons why uh, doctors in good faith can have not only religious objections, but simply objections based on science and based on uh, care and love and compassion for the mother, uh, for their patient, and also for the baby. 
So being the non-lawyer of this conversation, um, I, it's my... You ask the best questions a non-lawyer. <laughs> well, I need to understand uh, how this works. Um, I keep hearing uh, the uh, argument that um, that abortion, legal abortion in the United States is um, ripe right now for um, repeal or a portion of it for repeal because there are so many cases on the docket for our justices on the US Supreme Court right now. Tell me about what, what's coming up that might um, affect uh, abortion as we know it today. Well, I think the case that the case that we've talked about, you know, this one in out of the Fifth Circuit in Texas, I think is probably the most uh, prime opportunity for uh, the Supreme Court to weigh in significantly. But um, but a lot of the headlines talking about how um, abortion is ripe for that not only is because of uh, the pending uh, cases that the Supreme Court may uh, be able to choose from, but I think that uh, also the advancements in medical technology and seeing. Uh, the fetal heartbeat laws all around the country, um, those are all being uh, either challenged uh, when they're passed, when they've passed, or um, they're being challenged as being struck down in other uh, various jurisdictions. And so with the advancement in medical technology and seeing that it isn't just uh, the quickening um, or when a mother can feel that the baby is alive, but actually we can see the fetal heartbeat at five and six weeks. Um, these types of medical advancements then show that the government uh, has a compelling interest in life at very, very, very early stages. Um, so I think that the more that we advance in our medical technology as uh, Americans become aware of what we've already known from the Word of God, that life does begin at conception, we're going to see more and more of these challenges. But also, um, it's very ripe to be overturned, especially because we now have an originalist majority on the Supreme Court. And that's why I, as a Christian, um, am very supportive of President Trump and his administration uh, because he is the most pro-life president uh, that we've had in the United States in my lifetime, certainly. Uh, attending the March for Life, um, appointing originalist judges. We now have over 280 federalist judges on the bench, including the two Supreme Court justices, because of President Trump. And so I think we're going to be seeing a lot of these cases, like the Fifth Circuit, that are correctly handled constitutionally because of President Trump and the fact that we have uh, judges who understand the protections of life and understand the original design of the Constitution and our country. Jenna, before we run out of time, I did want to ask you about one other case, and I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's Ramos versus Louisiana, and it was a case in which uh, it, it had to do with jury uh, uh, votes. In other words, whether you needed uh, major or you needed a uh, unanimous jury verdict, and uh, apparently there is a precedent that you don't that it looks like the Supreme Court is overturning, but Justice Kavanaugh, in that opinion, listed. A, um, uh, a number of reasons why a precedent should be overturned. And I'm just wondering if you've had a chance to look at that and if that may have any uh, inkling or signal anything about what the justices might think about Roe. Uh, yeah, that's, that is potential. I'm familiar with the case um, and and I do think that Justice Kavanaugh provides uh, really good analysis uh, w by saying that there are instances, in fact, when precedent should be overturned. And when the Supreme Court does reverse itself, 
when either it recognizes an error from a prior um, opinion or there are new uh, facts or evidence available or simply it was it was bad law. I mean, we've seen um, Justice Alito in um, in some of the cases recently, even over the last couple of years, uh, reversing precedent. And um, that's actually a good idea for the Supreme Court not to follow its own precedent if a prior court uh, did not follow the Constitution. Because let's remember that under the design of Article 3, which establishes one Supreme Court as the highest court in the land, that's still under the Constitution. And so when there have been errors in judgment and errors in precedent previously, it's the Supreme Court's obligation under the Constitution to reverse those decisions and make sure that the precedent coming from the Supreme Court in this country is fully consistent with our supreme law of the land, which is the U.S. Constitution. And just real quick before we go, you got a prediction on any of these cases, how they're going to come out? You know, I never like to give predictions. I can only say that I um, I hope that the justices will hold uh, to the originalist views. And, I, and again, I'm very, very grateful that we have Justice Gorsuch uh, from my home state of Colorado and also uh, Justice Kavanaugh to uh, help lead that fight. And I'm very thankful for President Trump. Jenna, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. We certainly appreciate it. We hope you come back uh, one of these days and talk more about uh, your analysis of the Supreme Court precedents. Thanks so much for having me. Certainly. Thanks, Jenna. Jenna Ellis, who is constitutional law attorney and author of The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, where we'll be back in just a few minutes. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. Nearly 64% of all abortions in Iowa are chemical or more commonly known, the abortion pill. At Intervisions Healthcare, we do not provide the abortion pill, but we do provide the medical information required to make an informed decision. If a woman regrets taking the first pill, she can come to Intervisions to help reverse the effects. Our nursing staff is trained in the abortion pill reversal protocol, a relatively new medical procedure, but we need your help in getting the word out. For more information on the free medical services at Intervisions Healthcare or to support the mission, visit IVHcare.org. What is the best gift ever? Well, some might say a Catholic education, and I agree. But if you think you can't afford Catholic education, think again. Apply for CTO, and you could receive up to half your tuition for kindergarten through 12th grade. More information is online, ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. 
Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Here's your forecast on Iowa Catholic Radio. High pressure over the area today, so it'll be warm and sunny. Temperature in the low 70s this afternoon. Upper 40s and clear tonight, and then a few more clouds coming through tomorrow and a little bit breezy with a warm front coming through. We'll be in the mid-70s, partly sunny and mild Saturday. Weather is brought to you by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community for over 25 years. I'm meteorologist Steve Hamilton on Iowa Catholic Radio. And welcome back to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Jim Mason is Vice President of, and lit, of Litigation for the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. He's joining us this morning. I think he's got some ideas about parental rights and things. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Glad to be with you this morning. I'm, I'm glad you could join us, too. Uh, we uh, There's a couple of cases, that, or at least one case I want to talk about, and there's some issues that are coming up dealing with um, parental rights. One is this case out of Texas. I don't know if you've been following it, but it's a case where a, um, I guess the late uh, mother's boyfriend is challenging the biological father for custody of a child. Yes, so um, interestingly enough, I, I participated in writing an amicus brief in that case, wearing my other hat as president of Parental Rights Foundation. And okay. I went down to Austin and actually helped the lawyer. We, we put on a moot court for the uh, lawyer representing the dad, and I participated in mm-hmm. that as well. Yes, and I talked to him the other day, a, a very nice fella. Uh, so let's, uh, if we can, let's uh, uh, set up the case so that people understand what it is that we're talking about. Okay. Mom and dad, unmarried, have a kid. They um, make a custody arrangement, shared custody arrangement. They go to court to do that. Um, Mom gets romantically involved with another man, and at some now let me let me stop you right there. It seems to me that there's a finding in that court decision that both parents, the mom and dad, would be suitable parents for the child. Correct? That that is correct. So because they weren't married and did not live together, they had a. a custody agreement about shared custody, how they would, um, you know, share time parenting the child. Um, okay. And so that that custody agreement was between the mom and the dad. Then the mom became romantically involved with another fellow who eventually proposed to her and, and became, you know, came into the, the child's life. The mom then died. And the uh, uh, man who, uh, the the mom's new fiancé, petitioned to have uh, joint custody of the child uh, with the biological father. And so the biological father is unquestionably a fit parent. There was never an issue about any of that. And now this stranger to the child who's really only recently come into his life, the lower court held, 
had the same um, level of rights standing to have custody or shared custody of, of this um, child as the biological father who had never done anything wrong and was perfectly fit to decide. Um, you know, so they have should, a joint custody arrangement then uh, set up by the court between the biological father and the late uh, mother's boyfriend. That's where it stands now in the case that... And who has, and who has court, physical custody of the child or primary physical custody? I, I've read they, they, all the stuff on it, and I'm, I'm still confused as to whether that went to dad or it went to the boyfriend. Yeah, so they have, they have a joint arrangement, but it's, it's, Texas law is kind of confusing on... They, they call it conservatorship and, and different things, but it's basically as if they were... Um, um, they have a shared custody arrangement on equal footing with each other. Okay, so now dad, the biological father, has to share his parentage, I guess, with this stranger to the child. Correct. The, the, and that's the now, record, that case has been heard before the Texas Supreme Court. It was argued just last week, a week ago yesterday, um, Okay, and, uh, and now there are certainly uh, some questions here about whether or not you can infringe on the biological father's right to have custody of his child, since he's a surviving parent, really, um, and without a finding that uh, he is somehow deficient in his parental abilities. Correct, and that's that's the crux of the case, that, um, that before uh, somebody can intrude into the parent-child relationship in this way, we argue, and the traditional view of American law has always been, that before anybody can do that, they have to demonstrate that the biological parent is somehow unfit to make those kinds of decisions for the child. The uh, Texas Appellate Court disagreed and, and allowed this uh, boyfriend of the deceased mom to have this joint arrangement without finding that, that it was that, that the father had any kind of uh, parental deficiencies at all. In fact, it's uncontested. As you said, he's a great dad. Yeah. Now, uh, it seems to me, again, in reading the case, um, the grandparents, uh, which would be the maternal grandparents, the mother or, or the mother and father, mother and stepfather, I guess it is, of the uh, mother, the late mother, uh, they applied for uh, grandparent visitation rights, and the courts turned that down. Yeah, that's the interesting twist of this case. So when the grandparents made the petition, um, it was ruled that they don't have standing to do that. The reason that the, um, the boyfriend, fiancé, was able to do that was because of the previous uh, custody arrangement between the mom and the dad, and before she died, the mom had filed a petition to modify the schedule that the mom and that the biological mom and dad shared the the, or the uh, joint custody arrangement. So the the court below said that when it's a petition to modify, um, there's an outstanding modification petition. You don't have to demonstrate unfitness, and to a certain extent, that's that's. That's correct if it were just between the mom and the dad, right? So the mom and the dad um, have a court-ordered 
uh, visitation or uh, joint custody schedule. The mom wants to change it, so she goes to court, and she's not saying that the dad's unfit. She's just saying that, you know, there are things that I need changed uh, in this schedule because there's been a change in circumstances. So in a typical case, you don't have to show that the other parent is unfit. You just have to demonstrate that the circumstances have changed that warrant a change in the, in the custody arrangement. The, the, so the lower change- court allowed... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Gina. Oh, okay. So the, the change could be something as simple as um, he just um, won a position on a traveling baseball team and needs to be at his mom's house more for the practices to accommodate that um, that new athletic position. Just as some, that's, something that's as simple right. and inane as that. Right. So typically when parents divorce and they have joint uh, custody, that would be the kind of thing, you know, or um, if... if um, you know, dad got a job across town and wanted to change the school arrangements for the child so that he could visit more. It would be a typical kind of, look, circumstances have changed. The original agreement needs to be updated. But we have, uh, in the original, in this case in Texas, uh, the original custody agreement, uh, he the, the boyfriend was not involved in that. And I'm wondering, you know, we have this concept of privity. Um, he wasn't a party to that. So how does he then inherit the rights under that arrangement? That, that I, I guess I don't understand that, and I don't understand the reasoning of the court in denying the, the grandparents extra visitation rights and yet allowing uh, this stranger to the child to <laughs> um, claim custody. Yeah, well, so the simple answer is um, I think that the lower court just plain got it wrong. And and the, you know, another answer, it, it, this case highly suggests that um, the law was clear. The grandparents couldn't intrude into the, to the relationship without the dad's um, consent. And so it appears that the trial judge kind of did some legal backflips to get the boyfriend um legal standing so that the grandparents through the boyfriend could get what they couldn't get uh, through the courts themselves. So he's a stalking horse for the grandparents. Yes, there's a pretty strong okay. whiff of that in the case. Yeah. Now, the interesting legal thing uh, that's interesting to me is in the Troxel case, which seems to be the uh, Supreme Court's uh, leading case in this parental rights thing, it involved the same type of thing with the grandparent visitation initially. And in Troxel, didn't they hold that uh, the, the parents, in order to displace a parent or to modify a parent's rights with their child, you have to show some type of unfitness? Yes, and that's what's interesting about this case and why it's such an important case for parental rights in Texas and, and perhaps you know the rest of the country is that it's really similar on its facts to Troxel, and it, it raises a slightly different legal issue in the sense that uh, the boyfriend is getting into the case through this modification petition that the mom filed before she died. And so there's a precise legal question that's slightly different from Troxel, and that is, in this sort of situation, do you have to prove unfitness where it's simply a modification? We argue that the boyfriend has no 
as you, the word you use, privity, he shouldn't be involved in the modification petition at all. There wasn't the purpose that it was filed in the first place anyway. Um, and the result should be the same as Troxel, that apart from demonstrating that the dad is unfit, the boyfriend should have no standing. So what are the next steps in this particular case? Will um, this be resolved yet this year, do you think? I don't have a good sense for how long the Texas Supreme Court takes to decide things. And then with the, you know, the, the oral argument held last week was actually done by Zoom meeting because of, uh, you know, social distancing concerns. Um, I suspect it won't delay their opinion at all. It's a pretty highly watched opinion. There were lots of uh, friend-of-the-court briefs filed. I imagine they're going to take their time and write a careful uh, careful decision that deals with the issues in uh, you know a pretty sensitive uh, way that will we hope broadly uh, establish parental rights in Texas or at least affirm the our understanding of parental rights. They could choose to focus on it more narrowly, um, but we certainly hope they don't uphold the lower courts and give this boyfriend custody. I agree. It, it seems to me, as I've looked over the case, that uh, most of the amicus briefs that were filed uh, were supporting Dad. Yes, yes, that's right. Well, it's a pretty big parental rights issue, um, and you know, it's not it's not overly sympathetic to have this uh, um, latecomer to the party, the the boyfriend slash fiance, uh, win win out over the biological dad. There's no real constituency for that. But uh, these kind of do affect parental rights, and when a state Supreme Court rules on them in the state as big as Texas, it, it matters for the country. Certainly. Uh, is there, just out of curiosity, is there a federal issue that in any event that uh, uh, you lose the case in Texas that you can take it to uh, the U.S. Supreme Court on? Yeah, so the, the parental rights issues are similar to those in Troxel, and, um, you know, whether whether the arguments um, are uh, have been properly preserved, it, that's one question, and then the other question would be: um, it depends on how the Supreme Court of Texas rules. They may rule on a on a basis that doesn't have a federal issue in it. So, you know, we'll have to kind of wait and see how how the case turns out. Before we uh, we get out of here, I, I do want to ask you a, a much broader question. Uh, you are involved, obviously, in a lot of parental rights issues. Uh, let's talk about the general state of parental rights today and uh, how they might or might not be infringed upon by not only schools but uh, uh, sociologists and, and cities and whatever that are uh, kind of claiming a right to... Uh, uh, have to uh, share our opinion with your child. Yeah, so I don't know if you're following. Uh, so putting on my homeschool legal defense hat, um, the Harvard uh, Harvard Magazine recently profiled a Harvard professor in her law review article that suggests that um, homeschooling should be uh, banned because. You can't trust parents to homeschool their kids. Um, that, <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to laugh. Gina just <laughs> fell off her chair laughing. <laughs> That's what we're all doing today. So, <laughs> I, I'm sorry so, to interrupt. Go ahead. 
No, no. It's a shocking kind of uh, pronouncement. But so the, this professor is a pretty distinguished long-term faculty member of Harvard Law School, and she's written an 80-page law review article that was published in the Arizona Law Review uh, recently. And she, she reflects the worldview. I mean, we are talking about competing worldviews where, you know, the, the Christian worldview, the traditional um, uh, view of liberty in America has been that you trust parents to make the best decisions for their kids, and if they overstep bounds and somehow abuse their children, they should be punished for that. But with pretty broad parameters, we trust parents to, to act in the best interest of their children. She takes the opposite view. Her worldview is um, that parents really shouldn't be trusted the expert should be in charge, and home, homeschooling is one place where the experts don't really have much uh, input into the lives of a child, so all children should be forced to go into public school. Well, and then when they get into public schools, we, we had a guest on last week that talked about some of the sex education programs they have for children in, in public schools that they don't tell the parents about. Yeah, well, it's, it's a, so the, 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 the Kind of going back to your question, you know, in, in our circles, that sounds like an outrageous proposal, but that is an intellectual um, approach to the world that is pretty prominent and it's kind of gaining in uh, uh, traction in, in especially law faculties um, in, the, in the elite um, universities and is something that we really need to be aware of and be, be uh, dealing with now and dealing with it in a way that uh, effectively refutes those notions. Or as they say, it takes a village, isn't that <laughs> what this is beginning to sound like? Well, I think they say it takes a law, uh, Harvard Law School faculty. Unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it at that. Jim Mason, Vice President of Litigation for the Homeschool League Defense Association. We appreciate your time today, and um, we're hoping to have you back one of these days to talk more about parental rights issues. Thank you for coming. All right, you're welcome, and I'd be delighted to come on anytime. Good. Well, we've got your number. <laughs> we know how to get a hold right, of you. Thanks. thanks for coming. We're going to take a break right now. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Is it time for a new roof? Then it could be time for you to get to know Bell Construction. Bell Construction is a roofing company entering its 30th year of business. They specialize in residential re-roofs, like commercial jobs, and have the experience to meet all of your roofing needs with personal service. With Bell Construction, the owner will come to your home or place of business in person to inspect and ensure the quality of work that you deserve. They pride themselves in working with you on a personal basis and making sure you are satisfied. Bell Construction, 515-963-4494. What is the best gift ever? Ever? Giving a Catholic education is at the top of my list. Your contribution to CTO helps families send their children to our Catholic schools who otherwise could not afford it. In giving to CTO, you receive the best tax credits ever. Pledge or donate online at ctoiowa.org. The bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. 
Support for Dowling Catholic Sports 365 is provided in part by Ashworth Vision Clinic with two licensed optometrists, Barbara Sheets, a Dowling Catholic graduate, and Dr. Todd Pedig. The Ashworth Vision Clinic team provides complete eye exams, contact lenses, glasses, glaucoma testing, and pre- and post-operative care. Ashworth Vision Clinic is located at Ashworth and 60th Street in West Des Moines, 515-440-4610, online at ashworthvision.com. Thank you, Dental Associates, for underwriting Dowling Catholic Sports 365. With over 40 years' experience, Dental Associates is a group dental practice with the mission of promoting optimum health and well-being to all patients, providing preventative, restorative, and cosmetic dentistry for the entire family. Message underwritten by Dr. Kenton Gleichman, Dr. Steve Carbaca, Dr. Christine Mulcahy, and Dr. Ben Nagel. Dental Associates, addressing your smile, needs, and dreams. Online at Des Moines-DentalAssociates.com. Doing what is challenging because it's right. That's Blackbird Investments. In 2013, Blackbird Investments was born from the inspiration of St. Kevin. When it comes to building real estate, they look for creative solutions by forming strategic alliances, creating energy-efficient buildings, and engaging with local craftsmen. At its core, Blackbird Investments believes in giving buildings a new life. BlackbirdInvest.com Blackbird Investments. Doing what is challenging because it's right. Thank you, Skeffington's Formal Wear, for sponsoring Dowling Catholic High School football. In business since 1951, Skeffington's Formal Wear offers quality service, style, and selection, providing tuxedos, suits, and casual groom attire for weddings, proms, and any other special occasion. Skeffington's Formal Wear, with convenient locations in Des Moines, West Des Moines, Davenport, Coralville, and Ankeny. All locations are family-owned and operated by members in their respective communities, fitting you for life celebrations, online at skeffingtons.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and Faith on Trial provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. Information about Pharmatan and other products at ImogeneIngredients.com. Paul and Paul are members of St. Augustine's Knights of Columbus and encourage their brother knights to keep standing for their faith. And welcome back. This is Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. <clears throat> Gina, we had an interesting program again this week. I know. Jenna Ellis did a really good job of... Um showing a unique perspective of this case um, created because of the coronavirus, uh, making abortions or identifying abortions as unnecessary interventions. And um, I'm real anxious to see if that Texas case will actually make it through the Supreme Court. Um, And speaking of the Supreme Court, I noticed that they're functioning in their new um, audio method of hearing cases. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I've got a court hearing uh, in a couple of weeks. I guess it's around the 15th, and we're doing it, I guess, via Skype or something similar to that, a, a go-to-meeting thing, which I don't know anything about. So I've got to file, uh, file the links that are being sent to me. Fortunately, it's not going to be a contested case. I think everybody is in agreement. We just have to kind of dot the I's and cross the T's. But, so it's uh, not before <coughs> I, the court, Mike. It's not pardon? before the Supreme Court? Is it no, 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 no. Uh, this is this is a local district court, you know, <laughs> where I'm used to just driving downtown and walking into the building. And uh, uh, but this, uh, uh, but this is what's happening now. And 
uh, we're getting used to it. And I don't know, once we get used to this, how long this is going to go on. I mean, there are a lot of uh, businesses, I'm sure, that are out there that are thinking, wow, we've got all these people working from home right now. Maybe we don't need all these office space. Maybe we just need to give them a laptop and, uh, and let them work from home. Because uh, I know Luann is working from home. And uh, as I mentioned uh, someplace, uh, she's downstairs. Uh, I'm upstairs in my little office, and we meet in the kitchen for lunch. <laughs> It's very nice the way it's working out. You're stretching your technological knowledge, isn't it? Well, I, I know nothing about this stuff, and half the time I'm getting feedback in my ears, so something something is not always right. But I'm looking forward to being back in our studio. That's going to that's gonna be nice when we get back there. I don't well, think this week... Next week we peak <clears throat> here in Polk County, and then we're okay. going Days of declining numbers, and they'll let us out of our cages. So Okay, I'm- well, I, I hope that... I, I do have to say, I think Kim Reynolds has been doing a good job. Yes. Uh, she has has had control of this thing. She's not been heavy-handed like you see other places. Uh, and she's given us reasonable uh, things to follow, recommendations to follow. And now she's starting to lift uh, the uh, restrictions, but she's lifting them in places where they should be lifted. And in the populous counties like we are, they're, uh, uh, they're keeping the lid on things for a little bit longer. All I have to say is I'm glad I'm not in a leadership position of having to make decisions for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. I pray for our leaders every single day because this is so difficult and they don't have a crystal ball. It's very and it's very scientifically unknown and they are dealing with facts that tomorrow are no longer facts. And I give them a lot of credit for coming out and at least being present for us. You're glad you're not in a leadership position, and I'm glad we're not in Michigan. <laughs> that's, <true>. <laughs> <laughs> that's one that's really gone kind of haywire up there. Which uh, I have a quick question. Jenna mentioned mm-hmm. that um, there's been, uh, since the Trump administration has made 280 Federalist judges appointments, mm-hmm. um, how, how, what, what kind of a number is that in proportion to the number of appointments or, or number of judges? What, what kind of a... I'm just I'm just guessing here, but I'm going to say close to a third. Uh, I'd have to look at the at the numbers myself. But of course, when you talk about those kind of numbers, you're talking about federal district courts, uh, federal appellate courts, and then the two that he made to the Supreme Court. So that's on all of the uh, on all of the courts. The federal level, so there could be over a thousand judges in that pool of. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd really have to look. I wouldn't. I wouldn't okay. want anybody to go out and bet on, <laughs> on what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, I think it it may be close to a third or something like that. But well, we'll find the find that out, and we'll we'll report that next week when we come back. That's an interesting number. Yeah. Well, Gina, thank you for joining us again today. I know this has been kind of a. Difficulty here where we're uh, on Skype, but at least we've got the pictures up so that we can signal each other (laughs) as the the case goes on. Each week gets a little easier. I think it it does. Well, let's end with a prayer here. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray and do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Well, for Gina and myself, thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. 
Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial, Thursdays at 10 a.m. on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app. Support for Faith on Trial and Iowa Catholic Radio provided in part by Imaging Ingredients.